0: There were, there were two boys spending a night at their grandmother's house. And at bedtime, while they were saying their prayers, the youngest one began praying at the top of his voice. I pray for a Thomas the Tank Engine train set. I pray for an electric scooter. I pray for a new Spider-Man action figure. His older brother leans over and says, Why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. The little brother says, No, but Grandma is. <laughs> Um, amen. It's the first amen I've gotten in weeks, and um, obviously, uh, Christmas time is a lot about you know wonderful decorations, about gift giving, um, and and, some, and spending time with families, and of course we know it ultimately is about the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. But um, one thing that, that, that our family likes to do is like, we like to watch movies. And I, I told you this last year, um, but every year we're going to watch, every Christmas time, we're going to watch two movies. Okay, We're going to watch It's a Wonderful Life, all right? which we watched last year. I mean, we talked about last year during this time, and we did a little parallel to, to It's a Wonderful Life. If you weren't here, that was uh, what we did in December last year. And uh, we also watched Elf. Okay, don't judge us, but we think it's funny, all right? And my daughters know all the lines, uh, and so we watch it together, and we watch it again, and then we repeat the lines uh, throughout the movie. Um, we actually started watching it last night already, all right? But, um, and so Christmas, you know, movie watching is a, is, is a trend. Some people like um, what's the Christmas story of the guy, and he sticks his tongue on the uh, – on, on, and it gets frozen. Some people love that. Some people hate it. Um, you know, White Christmas – is another one, uh, you know, miracle on 34th Street. Um, and the one that we're going to talk about that we're going to parallel today and next Sunday, a Christmas Carol. All right. Now, I just watched it about three weeks ago. Okay. First time I've ever seen it. All right. Um, and there's a bunch of different let me give you a little background because no wonder I haven't seen it, because there's so many different ones. Um, but a Christmas carol uh, was written by, is a novel or a novella, a shorter novel, written by Charles Dickens um, in 1843. Now, it recounts the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, okay, uh, an elderly miser who was visited by the ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley, and the spirits of Christmas Pass, which, by the way, we'll do today, all right, and Christmas Present and Christmas Yet to Come or Future, which we'll do those two next Sunday. After their visits, Scrooge is transformed into a kinder, gentler man. Now, a little bit of more background here, uh, I learned that Charles Dickens wrote this during a period when the British were exploring and reevaluating past Christmas traditions, uh, including carols and newer customs such as Christmas trees. Um, he was influenced by the experience of his, experiences of his own youth and by the Christmas stories of other authors, including Washington Irving and Douglas Gerald. Dickens had written three Christmas stories prior to the novella and was inspired following a visit to what they call Field Lane, which is also called Ragged School, okay? uh, one of several establishments for London's street children. Um, the treatment of the poor and the ability of a selfish man to redeem himself by transforming into a, a more sympathetic character are the key thing to the story. There is discussion among academics as to whether this was actually, uh, was this a fully secular story or is it a Christian allegory? All right. The phrase Merry Christmas... Be, uh, had been around for many years. Uh, the earliest known written use was in a letter in 1534. But Dickens' use of the phrase in, a, in this particular book, which became a movie, uh, popularized it among the public. Okay, Merry Christmas. So you can kind of contribute, you know, attribute this uh, to that even saying Merry Christmas, um, which I thought was interesting. The name Scrooge became used as a designation for a miser. All right, still used today. All right, and was added to the Oxford English Dictionary as such, in 1982, and there have been more than, see, there have been tw- at least 22 movie variations, 22, okay, uh, I don't know which one's your favorite, all right, uh, but one that we're going to show you a part of, the one I watched was, the, I think, the 1954 one, okay, all right, so, just kind of giving a heads up, now, has it, who in here has never seen it? Anyone ever seen Miss Jan? All right, now you're on the naughty list, okay? All right, so uh, using our Christmas theme, you're on the naughty list. Uh, go watch it, okay? That's your homework this week. Okay, all right. So in the introduction to a, a Christmas carol, we see the following. So we're going to, going to show you a clip in a minute, all right? Rhonda's got it, don't, don't do it just yet. Let me give you uh, stuff that leads up to this, okay? We're going to show you about four minutes of something, okay? But before that, this is what, we, this is what happened. Um, we find out that Scrooge is not in the habit of celebrating Christmas at all. Uh, he had an opportunity to help out some poor and destitute, and he declined. All right? They come to him and say, hey, Scrooge, uh, you know, hey, uh, Mr. Scrooge, we, we want to do this fund. We want to give some money to some, po- some poor people, and he declined. He's like, no, don't want to do that. All right? He cares mostly about his business, and uh, we see that he is very disappointed in his nephew for falling in love with a poor woman. Okay, that's what we see so far. And then his servant tells him, uh, or his helper tells him, Merry Christmas, and Scrooge basically mocks him. He's like, what do you have to be, what do you have to say Merry Christmas for? You don't have anything, you're going home to nothing. All right, what do you have to to say Merry Christmas for? And so then it leads us to this scene here.
1: I'm at it. Can I see it Not this uh, Well, i uh, just going to this. I've been totally blessed my life by a legion of pop All of my own creation. It's all humbugging! I Good friend and mine, you will be visited by free spirits. But was that the chance of hope that you mention to me? It was. Necklace, never mind. I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. It snakes the first when the bells open one.
0: All right. Now that guy does a really good job. I can't remember his name, but he does a really good job. It's on YouTube, by the way, for free, that one, Ms. Jan. Anyway, um, but uh, if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 16, okay. all right, and so this is the ghost of former friend Jacob Marley, okay? Jacob Marley, that's who you saw in there. He came to visit Scrooge, and he had endured torture. He was in chains. Um, you could hear the the jangling of the chains there, and he warned Scrooge that he could change, and told him that three ghosts would visit him. Some and it's, it kind of reminds me, um, and where we're going with today is uh, Lazarus and the rich man. All right, and so that's going to be the connection that we make today and next Sunday. So if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 16, all right, verses. We'll start in verse 19, and we're going to look at, we're going to parallel uh, these, and and uh, I hope that that uh, we, we learned something that we can take with us today. Um, so Luke 16, starting in verse 19, this is Jesus speaking, okay? And he says, we're going to read just the first couple of verses here. He said, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores, and so we're going to have three main points. And and you know, like I said, uh, Mister Brown is doing a great job lately. Bible verses are on the screen if you ever want to refer to that. But we're going to look at just point one today. Okay, so I may lose my Baptist preacher's card. All right, but uh, just one point today. Contrast in life. Okay, is today's point Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas past. Contrast in life. Okay. So now, uh, as we look at Christmas Past, we're going to see how it compares to the lives of Lazarus and the rich man. So from the movie, to give you some background, Christmas Past, uh, what, you know, we learned this from, when, if you watch the movie, uh, the, first per, the first thing that's going to come is a ghost of Christmas Past. And here's what we learned about uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. He's in school, and his friends have left him. He's always lonely, and it appears to be something that happens every year. All right? That his friends at the school go back home and be with family, and he's left by himself. Okay, so there's a little bit of sadness there. Uh, We find out that his mother died giving birth to him, and his father had always blamed him for it, which is awfully tough, okay? Um, We also find out that his sister died giving birth as well. Okay, Uh, He loved this poor woman named Alice, and she asked him if he always would love her, although she was poor, and he said yes. Going on, he found out his sister was on his deathbed and asked him to take care of her son, and she says, promise me. Uh, he apparently did not do that, um, does not take care of him because he kept saying for her to forgive him, all right? Um, and then he starts a new job. He meets, he meets Jacob, uh, and he has to be hard. He says, he makes a comment, he has to be hard because the world is tough. So he has to steal oneself, all right? Because the world is tough, so he has to be tough. And Alice says that he's changed and releases him. Uh, I guess I don't know exactly what that means, if they were engaged or whatnot, but now they're no longer together. Uh, And she's very upset about this uh, because she sees that he's changed, that the golden idol has taken over his heart. Uh, And He buys a company that he works for. Seems to be kind of an undermining type way of doing it. Uh, His friend Jacob was dying, uh, and he waits until after work to visit him. He just keeps working, although he could have went sooner to go see him. Uh, And then Jacob mutters uh, to him, save yourself, save yourself. It was his only friend, but he took all of Jacob's assets. He took all the money even after it. So basically, Scrooge lives a life of lavishness with little concern for others. Y'all know this, right? Uh, uh, He was selfish. He seemed to only care about making money. Life was tough uh, for him, so he decided he must be tougher. On the other hand, we have a guy named Bob Cratchit. You know, Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit is Scrooge's clerk. Um, he serves as a contrast to Scrooge throughout the movie, just like the rich man and Lazarus, okay? Now, how about Lazarus and the rich man? So let's look at that. So it says there was a certain rich man. Now, um, he says, uh, you know, normally in a parable, um, Jesus didn't give names, okay? So um, what do you call commentators, researchers believe that this is something that really happened. That this wasn't a story, wasn't a parable that Jesus told, that this is something that happened, okay, because um, he uses the name Lazarus, okay, so I thought that was interesting, all right, Um, and and we have every reason to believe that it was an actual case history, uh, one he knew from his eternal perspective. Now, the rich man was, quote, clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day, all right, so his, his wealth was evident by fine linen clothing which was very luxurious and expensive, and by his excess with food. Okay? Most people in the culture fared sumptuously only a few times a year, but uh, this guy says what? What does it say in verse 19? He feasted sumptuously every day. All right? Or how we say it at school sometimes, every day. We take the V out, we say every day. All right? He ate well every day. He had caviar every day. Okay? Uh, he, he had, he had uh, um, lobster, Okay, which is my personal favorite, by the way. All right, lobster and, and steak. If anybody wants to hook somebody up, I'm just saying. Okay, uh, if I, a good ribeye and a good and and a good lobster, you can't beat. Amen. All right, all right. But imagine having that every day, every day. Not just every now and then. Every day. Uh, I can tell you when Sally and I, when Sally stayed home uh, for the kids, which was one of the things that we committed to doing. Those seven years were tough because right, had one. I had we had just one paycheck coming. That was mine. Okay, but when we went out, it was a big deal. Okay, all right. It was every now and then, but it was a big deal. Okay, and, and so, but just imagine the opposite of that is this guy, the rich man. All right, he did this every single day. All right, um, Barclay says the wor- The word used for feasting is a word that is used for gourmet feeding on exotic and costly dishes. Gourmet, not 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 McDonald's, brother. All right, not 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 even Zaxby's. Okay, he was eating the finest every day. Okay, now um, this man was comfortable and secure. Now the rich man is unnamed, but um, throughout throughout history, throughout the the years, um, uh, preachers and and and, um, people who study the word have given him the name dives. Okay. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that before, but they've kind of given them the name Dives, which is simply Latin for rich. Seems like a good name. Okay. So we'll call them Dives. All right. uh, and, and Now, does this, uh, does this not sound very much like Scrooge? Amen? Very much like it. He didn't lack for money at all. That's all he seemed to care about. He had given his life over even love. He'd given up love for money. It seemed to be his only concern. Now, let's take a, let's take a look at Lazarus. It appears that Lazarus is both poor and sick. It just doesn't appear. It says it, okay, uh, that he, he decided to be fed what fell from the rich man's table. All right, it was a poor man, all right? So that part, you see a poor man, it says it. And then it says, moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. So, there, so he must have been sick somehow, okay? So he was both um, sick and poor, all right? Um, and, and he was not far from the rich man. Notice where he was. Where was he? At his gate, okay. Um, so, and, and this is a whole other thing to think about. The rich man apparently didn't do anything against Lazarus. So now it seems like uh, you know Scrooge is kind of mean to the poor people sometimes in the movie. If you ever watched that, maybe maybe it's just me, but I kind of get that mean feeling that he's just kind of looking down on them and being mean to you know and shunning them. Well, I don't know. Like it's kind of like it's a little different here with Lazarus. Um, He didn't do anything like particularly against him except that he just neglected him and ignored him. Now, isn't that a a sermon for another day, right, brother? All right, because um, we do that all the time. We ignore. Uh, It's not that we did anything negatively towards him, we just don't do anything. Okay. Um, Now, again, another sermon for another day, but. Uh, I do want to look at a couple of verses. Proverbs 14, 21 and Proverbs 21, verse 13. Whoever despises his neighbor as, is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Okay, Good word there. And whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. All right? So there are some, some things in the word that says we should help. Okay? Now, we can't help in every situation. Again, we don't really know for sure, and we've had this talk before. I, uh, there's so many scams these days. I don't know who's really in need. A- and so uh, my suggestion would be that you, you do what it was in your heart to do and that you pray. Uh, and if you feel like God's leading you to give, then you give, and you don't worry about it, you know, what they do with it. Because a lot of times you want to say, well, they better get some food with that. Well, you just, that's up to them, all right? You, you just be obedient. But um, so Barclay, by the way, said that the name Lazarus is the Latinized form of Eleazar. And that means God is my help. So the poor man Lazarus, all right, that there's a good uh, indication there that his name meant God is my help. So while he was poor, God was his help. And we're going to see more about that story in a minute. Um, this is another one that I thought was was very very interesting. Um, look in uh, verse verse 21. Lazarus desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Now. If that's all, that would be enough to be like, oh man, that guy was really poor. Okay, he's not a poser. He's not a scammer. He was poor, right? But I love, this is where I love the deep stuff. And I don't want to go too far in it, but I love this part. Uh, I saw, uh, uh, again, Barclay said this food was eaten with the hands. And in very wealthy houses, the hands were cleaned by wiping them on hunks of bread, which were then thrown away. This is probably what Lazarus was waiting for. Not just crumbs that just kind of fell, but they, would, they didn't have towels. Apparently, they would wipe the bread right? to get the dirt off of there, get all the food off of what they're eating. Okay? That was their towel, and, th- and that's the food. That was what Lazarus was wanting. Not just throwing away bread, throwing away dirty bread. Okay? So really get where, where we're coming from there. Okay? The dogs came and licked his sores. Dogs came and licked his stores. Jesus described the misery of the beggar in strong, nauseating details. Okay, now um, Lazarus isn't just someone again with just a little money. All right, maybe a little bit of poverty. Um, he is desperately needy. All right, desperately needy. He's not a poser on a street corner, uh, maybe a scammer who's trying whatever. He really is poor. All right, okay. And while Bob Cratchit wasn't quite like this in the movie. He does not have the same amount of money that Scrooge has, not even close. I want to point out here that the, uh, the importance of how different their lives were in the past. Scrooge is being shown his past, and it's not good. He is a selfish and wretched man. And it brings me to one of my main points today, all right, which is going to be on the screen. Pain is a result of sincerely and honestly looking at one's past. Okay? When you really, really look at it, you really, really examine our lives uh, we see that uh, I think I've heard it said that the closer the closer I get to Christ, the more the more simple I realize I am. All right, you you realize those things that you didn't notice before, you notice them now. All right, thank God we have a holy God and and a God who comes through for us, and we'll look at that in a minute. But I, I can imagine if I were Scrooge, I would have felt some shame and sorrow, wouldn't you? Um, not sure that's how Scrooge looks at it yet, though. We'll get there. Okay, but here's his old buddy, Jacob. He's come to help him and change his way, ways, but it appears that he's reluctant to do so. And, and it doesn't appear so far in the rich man and Lazarus that the rich man has much remorse whenever he's alive. We don't see any indication of that. Okay, um, He doesn't seem to care. I mean, but does he even want to change? Now, we're going to see more about this story, okay? And we may not read it today. We're going to read it next week. But you're going to see that, yeah, he, 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 there's some regret there. But I want, to talk, I want to look at the idea of change okay, uh, today. It's like um, I've heard it said before so many times, like, um, I, don't, I don't really think that guy can, can change. Like, we get cynical, don't we, as humans? Like, what, what caused us to do that? I'm kind of going from preaching to meddling. What's caused us to to be so cynical that we can't believe that a holy and righteous God can change that person? Maybe it's you. I was that person for a while. I didn't think God could really save me. He could save other people. It's not me. But... What causes us to feel that we don't really believe that God can change people? Where if you really think that today, listen, I'm going to point you to several people today. We're going to do some Bible bouncing, okay? Uh, and and we're, we're going to see a couple of, of examples of people in Scripture um, who changed. Okay? Uh, turn with me to Mark, or just, if you don't want to turn with me because we're going to be bouncing around and be on the screen, Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Now, when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. All right, so the first one is Mary Magdalene. She had not one, but seven demons. Yet she's at the, she's at the tomb when Jesus arose. All right, and, and according to history, what was, a, was a disciple of Christ. All right, was used by was used by God. Now, um, for, for wonderful things. Don't miss that. She had seven demons. Did God change her? I'm pretty sure he changed her. I'm not very smart sometimes, but I can, I can, add, I can add those numbers. Okay. From demon possessed to a disciple. I'm getting my, I'm getting my Baptist card back with this alliteration. So I want make sure y'all notice that. All right. Next one, Moses. What about Moses. What do y'all know about Moses? I know some of y'all know. Y'all have been going Sunday school and church all your life. But let's look at Moses. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. One day when Moses had grown up, all right, and, he, and he grew up in the finest of places, all right, uh, probably better than old dives did in, 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 our, in our, uh, our story today. But he went out to his people when he looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that. Since seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He struck them down, which means he killed them. Okay? <laughs> he killed somebody. He's a murderer. Right? He was also uh, was used mildly by God and from a murderer to a manager of the whole Israelite people. Yeah, and I say manager because man, did day he had to deal with some craziness. Okay, worse than what Dana and Sally and I have to deal with with, with our students sometimes. All right? Uh, and so, I mean, he he was used by God, we know, you know, crossing the sea and, I mean, leading the Israelites through the wilderness. He was a murderer. You still don't think God can change people? Right? He, he, a demon-possessed lady and a murderer. I mean, we're pretty bad, but I don't know that anybody's done that. Okay? Next, let's look at another one, all right go turn with me to to Genesis chapter twenty seven okay? as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry said to his father, Bless me, even me also my father but he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Jacob was a trickster he tricked he, he tricked his father all right, and he got the blessing all right and Esau was uh, distraught about it and Esau said, he, Is he not rightly named Jacob?" For he has cheated me these two times. Okay. He took away my birthright right, over some soup, some lentil soup. Must have been some good lentil soup. Okay. I've had some good ones. But anyway, all right. And now he's taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved the blessing for me? From a trickster, a cheater, a hill catcher, a deceiver to, quote, one who struggles with God. Genesis 32, verse 28. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Genesis 35, 9 through 12. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come from your own body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I'll give to you, and I'll give the land to your offspring at you. So basically, from a fraud to a father of many nations. Again, I'm keeping that card. All right. Proud of me. Proud of me. Next, let's look at Peter. Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. And again, I'm just, I'm about, the whole idea is the idea of change. Can people really change? Can you really change? Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also are with Jesus the Galilean. Pause here for a second and give some context. And so uh, Peter was the one who, who uh, he's like some people you might know, probably not you, uh, anybody here, but like to uh, open their mouth and insert their foot. Okay. Peter well, Peter talked before he thought sometimes. You ever done that, Mr. Mike? You've never done that before, right? All right. Uh, you, you, you speak before you, before you think. And, and, and Peter was this person. And he said, oh, man, I don't care if anybody else doesn't, doesn't d- deny you. I won't. All right, I guarantee you, I won't. I'll never deny you. And Jesus like, yeah, you, you will. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me not once, but three times. And then it brings us to this point here. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl said, uh, saw him. And she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, "Certainly, you're one of them. Your accent betrays you. Your accent gives you away." Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, "I do not know the man." And then other translate other places in the Bible, um, uh, in other gospels, we see that there's a he, he probably let out a cuss word or two there. All right. Certainly, uh, okay, he said, I do not know the man. And, and immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, I can really relate to this one. Can you? Oh, man. I said I was going to do something. You ever made promises that you didn't keep? You know he made promises to God. Oh, you know, Jesus, I'll, I'll never do it. And then he did it anyway. Was that the end of the story? Oh, No. John 21, verses 15 through 18. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, they had a little little fish breakfast on the beach there, uh, Mr. Steve. And uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you're young, you should dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Which was going to indicate the way he would die later in this, later on. But notice he got restored how many times? Three times. All right. After he had already denied Jesus. Three times. And we know what happens with Peter. We know he becomes a great disciple. So he goes from a coward to a courageous leader of the new church. And then one of the most well-known as we finish up today. Let's look at Paul. Acts chapter 8, 1 through 3. And Saul, Saul approved of his execution of Thomas. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, devout men, not, not Thomas Stephen, sorry, devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Anybody who was following the way right, Paul was going and getting them men and women didn't matter. All right, and, and having them beaten and taken to prison. Because right? he was a devout Pharisee, an Israelite, and, and he was against the way. And then Acts 9, verses 1 through 6. And we could go the whole story, but we won't. But we'll just read this part. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way... He approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And we know that um, he he gave his life to God, and he went from a persecutor to the church, to the pioneer of the gospel, uh, to people... We wouldn't even have, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him because he carried it to the, uh, to the non-Jews, uh, to the Gentiles. Amen? So, as we ask Ms. Dolores to come up, what, what if Jacob Marley came to us and showed us our past? How, how would we react? And see, I had a point uh, in big, bold uh, letters earlier on the screen, and, and, I, and Ms. Uh, Ms. is going to show us this one now. While pain is a result of sincerely and honestly looking at one's past, thankfully for us, God is a God of second chances. And if you didn't hear anything today, and you're like, "I don't need to like a Christmas carol," all right, then hear this, please. God is a God of second chances, and I get if I get a little excited, you're going to have to forgive me, all right, because He gave me a second chance, all right? There's a funny movie i know y'all probably never seen in here because y'all y'all are are better people than me but dumb and dumber you ever seen that all right and old jim carrey is wanting to get with that girl he says so what kind of chances do i have one in a hundred and she says yeah really more like one in a million and he stops for a second he says so you're telling me you think we have a chance we have a chance. We're still on this earth. If you're still living and breathing today, you still have a chance. You are not outside of the reach of Jesus Christ. There's not a person no matter who we think, no matter what we think about their, you know, their color or what they do with their lives or whatever. Nobody is outside of the grasp of the love of Jesus Christ. Nobody. Okay? And and it, it, see, if this was it. If we had to stop that, the word passed, then we wouldn't have any hope. And, and now we do have, there, you know, it's a whole other sermon. We, there, there are repercussions for sin. Sin has consequences. No doubt. There's no doubt about that. Sin has consequences. But God demonstrates His love for us. But God, Romans 5, 8, demonstrates His own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I can't. For some reason, that's been the that's been the verse for the last couple months. Somebody needs to hear it. Now, I don't care if you've been at church all your life. all right, If you've never accepted that second chance from Christ, accept it today. All right? There's a lot of people in church who who are still lost. Right? And so I'm still want to say it. All right? Take that chance today. Trust them today. And yeah, you'll have pain looking back. But boy, there's going to be a lot of peace and joy looking forward. Amen. All right. Don't miss out today and don't miss out the opportunity of telling others about it. Let's tell others. Let's tell others. You're going to hear me say a lot more about this in January when we talk about who's your one. But if I heard it yesterday, I heard a preacher say yesterday, he says, stop using excuses that you don't know everything. We're never going to know it all. Right? But we use it as an excuse. I'm going to tell you, I'll use it as an excuse. I won't share the gospel because I don't think I know everything. Okay? They're, they're still, if they don't accept Jesus, they're lost and dying and going to hell. To a real hell. All right? I don't care what the what Joel Osteen and those other preachers are saying. All right? there's a real hell. Okay? And what are we going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? That's a kind of a little taste of what we're going to talk about a lot in January. You're probably going to get tired of me here, tired of hearing me say it. All right. What do we do we really, really care? All right? Or are we gonna be like, no, nah, I just don't know enough about the gospel to share. I, I can't I can't really share. What what if they ask me a question I don't know? Praise God to ask you a question, you don't know. I you share the gospel, all right, share your story. All right, let God do the rest. Amen? All right. God is a God of second chances. If you don't believe He can change, He changed murderers. All right. He changed a lady with with seven demons. You know? I, he changed the guy who was about the exact opposite of a Christian than Paul than anybody you can think of. All right? And he turned him around to possibly the greatest disciple of all time. <laughs> he can change you too. That could be you. It right? could be you. Or you share with somebody else. I'm starting to meddle a little bit. But you, start, you share with somebody else and that person becomes the, the greatest preacher in, our, in, in, the next, in the next 50 years. It's right? because you share Christ with them. All right, you never know. So, God's a God of second chances. I want to invite you to to stand as we sing. And uh, if you have a decision to make, now's the time to make it. The altar is open. Please feel free to come and pray. All right, let